<laughs> All right, so I love answering questions. Thank you. I love answering questions from you guys because I think um, some of this stuff is so important for us to understand, and it's questions that are never maybe really a- answered in other places. <clears throat> so um, first question is, what was the most difficult thing when opening up your office? Okay, this is an easy question uh, to answer for me. The most difficult thing was me believing in me. Uh, when I first opened up my practice, I, um, as I've told you before, I had a very poverty, poverty mentality. Uh, you know, I came from nothing. My parents came from nothing. You know, my parents, neither one of them went to college. So I was the first person in the whole family to A, go to college and B, become a doctor. So uh, I had a very like, how, you know, who am I, you know, kind of attitude about um, becoming a chiropractor, even though I knew it, I wanted to do it, but I was... I doubted myself, um, and I had to change that. So the single most important thing I did to change that was to change what was going into my mind. I became a policeman of what was going into my mind. So I started listening to motivational speakers. I stopped listening to all the junk. I stopped listening to news. I stopped watching the news, and I listened to motivational speakers. Now, back then, there were different people than there are now, but for me, it was Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and Marianne Williamson and you know those kind of people. I, I back then we had like tapes. I don't know if you've seen the audio tapes, right? The cassette tapes. I had tapes I, and then CDs. So now you have MP3s. I just listen, 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 listen. Red, red, red until I started spouting out what they said, right? And I started going to seminars that were very congruent with what I believed in, and. You know, back then, Dr. Sid Williams was heading DE, so I saw all these greats. So I, I would just feed myself, and, and, my, and my wife, too. We both went, and we both listened, and we, we did all this together, and that's what really made the That was the biggest, the most difficult thing for me was to get out of my own way. So, good, very good question. I like it. All right. How do you promise staff a certain salary pay when you're yet to generate income. Oh, okay. So, oh dear. Well, hold on a second. I don't know if the computer just died here, but. Well, I'll try to answer the question as we're going. So how do we, so the way you promise income is first off, um, you don't have to promise any income what you are going to do, where is the closest outlet besides this one? I guess it's just this one. Um, what you're going to do is you're going to get 30 new patients in your first week in practice. That's how you're going to promise an income, is you're going to generate new patients. Um, and so that's, what, so that's the next thing I'm going to teach you guys is how to generate 30 new patients in your first week in practice. Because if, if you can do that, then you can build your practice from there. <clears throat> so here's how you do it. <clears throat> so um, you're going to do something that you call a survey. A survey. <clears throat> so what you do is you buy yourself a clipboard, or you can use an iPad if you want to use that too, uh, and write on your iPad on like a note-taking uh, kind of thing. And you're going to <clears throat> excuse me, walk around businesses in your community, whatever it is that you're opening. Whether, and you could be do this if you're an associate too or independent contract, whatever, buying an office, and you're going to walk around your, that community, and you're going to talk to every single business owner in that community, 
at an appropriate time, right? You're not going to go at lunchtime to like Starbucks or other places like a thousand people. You're going to go when there's like nobody there so you can talk to these people. Uh, and you're going to go in and you, this because this is what I did two different times in my New Jersey practice and here. And you're going to go in and each person, you're going to go in and you're going to say, so I'm opening up, uh, I'm Dr. So-and-so, I'm a chiropractor. I'm opening up right over here, you know, corner of X and Y. And um, what do you think about this area? That's what you're going to ask them. What do you think about this area? Uh, so it's not a yes or no question, and it's not about chiropractic, although you mentioned that you're a chiropractor. It's what do you think about this area? Uh, and then what you're going to do is you're going to just kind of listen to what they say and take notes. So even if you don't give a bleep about what they say, you're going to take notes anyway. Just take notes, take notes, take, just as, act as if you're super interested. You should be super interested, but act as if you're super interested. Take notes, take notes, take notes. Um, and they're going to talk, and then you say, so, like, what, where do you go to church around here? What's your favorite place to eat? You know, what, what's a great, you know, place to, to, you know, play tennis or whatever you're into. Just ask them questions about the area, about what you like about it. Is this a great place to raise kids? What do you do with your kids around here? What are the great kids? Even if you know it, just ask. And what's going to happen is one of two things. Either A, uh, the person is going to be, uh, after like a couple minutes, is going to kind of die out, the conversation can die out, and that's, then you're done. Or B, this is what's going to happen about 10% of the time. They're going to say, so um, you said you're a chiropractor, huh? Yeah, well, and then you got them, right? Well. I have this blah, 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 or my wife has this blah, 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 or my kid has this blah, 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 right? And now you got them. So what you're going to do with, the, with that 10% is you're going to say, well, this is what you do beforehand. Before you do this survey, you need to find a charity in your neighborhood that you're going to give money to. Not a major charity like Make-A-Wish or, you know, Cancer Society or whatever. A local charity. For instance, like right here in East Cod, there's some young lady who needs a kidney, she's raising money for a kidney, she's trying to do this thing to raise money for getting a kidney. If I was doing something now, that's what I would do. And what you do is you say this. You say, okay, so thank you so much. That was really nice of you to give me these, your, your answer to your questions. And you, you're, you said you're interested in chiropractic care, your wife is or whatever. What we're doing is, as a way of saying thanks for, to everybody who's you know, talking to us today, if you um, sign up today, I will give you a new patient exam instead of $180 or $200, whatever. It's just going to be $50, and $25 is going to go to you know, Give Jane a Kidney Foundation. right? And everybody knows Give Jane a Kidney Foundation if that, in that area because they're like, wow, you're going to give money to Jane? Yeah. 25 is half of everything I raise this week is going to go to her. They're like, holy cow, how generous is that? So, as a matter of fact, make a new push for my plumbing and my wife. And then, now you're, and you put it in your calendar, right? And you give them a business card or whatever you happen to have, and now you've created a, a new patient. The key is you, you need to talk to, I know this is hard, in six, eight to eight weeks, you need to talk to 500 people, which is what I did. I handed out, I, I bought 500 business cards, and I said, I ain't stopping until they're all gone. And it doesn't mean you give 10 at a time, right? That means one business card at a time, one at a time, one at a time. So I talked to 500 people, <clears throat> and you're going to get 5 to 10% of them in your practice, which is that 30 new patients, right? Um, but then what you do with everybody else, 
Everybody else you talk to who says, oh, that's nice being you, you say, hey, would you mind if I invite you to our open house? Great. Can I have your business card? So now you, go, now you have this collection of 500 different offices that you, built, you went to or however many you, you, you go to, um, which you invite to open house with the same offer. And, then the, and now people are already talking about you because 10% of them are going to come in to see you. And so now you, you've built this whole community. So in your first week, you've got 30 new patients. But it takes some work. Right, it's going to take two months worth of you pounding the pavement and talking to people, but it really makes a giant difference, and uh, that's what I suggest. So, th so that's how you pay your staff, because you're going to have instant new patients. Good question. All right, next one. What is the best way to get babies and moms in my office when first starting? <clears throat> Good question. So the best way to get babies in, in your office when you're first starting is to uh, gear your practice to babies and moms, right? If you are advertising on Facebook and on your website and that kind of stuff, back pain, neck pain, headache, whiplash, then you're going to get back pain, neck pain, headache, whiplash. If you want to have a practice where you are seeing mostly kids, you need the mindset that... Dr. Webster trained me on years and years and years ago, which is I see the kids first. So in my practice, 60 to 75% of all the, my new patients are kids first. And then the parents come. And then the rest of the family come. But you get the sickest kid in the family first or the most challenged kid in the family first, and then now you, you build a practice from there. So that's, to me, how you do it is you start there. And so make sure that your, your advertising is consistent with what it is that you want, right? Because if you, ex if you expect to build a pediatric practice by having a non-pediatric adver advertising, it's not gonna work. So let me just move this over so I can sit down. <clears throat> Good question. <clears throat> All right, so how often do you see children with ADHD? Like amount of visits per week. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I don't know an exact number, but I would say between autism, ADHD, and learning disorders, probably 30% of the kids in my practice is that. Uh, how many is that a week? Probably 100 a week, kids with those sort of issues. Um, and then you add in the kids with developmental disabilities and then all the babies that we see and all the pregnant mamas that we see. So 75% of my practice is babies, kids, and then pregnant mamas, and the rest of the practice is all their parents. <clears throat> How do you get pediatric patients in the door? So to me, the most important way to get pediatric patients in the door is, number one, like I said, your advertising. Uh, put your pediatric face forward. Right. So whether you use Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or whatever other new things are out there, um, make sure it's all pediatric. I'm going to suggest that you get a website. Don't just use Facebook as your base. Um, Facebook does not have a big enough presence on Google. Google needs a home. Facebook is not a home. So pay money even, or even do it for free with Wix. But do something to, so you have a presence, like there's a, a, a place, and then everything feeds into that place. Um, 
that's the first thing. And then second thing is referrals. You know, uh, like we talked about, you know, if one third of all kids in America have one of the four A's, which is autism, ADHD, asthma, and allergies, one third of all kids in America have one of those four things, that means one out of every three parents that you talk to have a kid like that. Or if, if they have multiple kids, one of their kids has that. So it's pretty much every parent in America has a kid who's got something going on. So you can easily build a practice if you base your practice on the kind of practice we talked about you know, this whole quarter. Specifics to look, out in an, for, look for in an associate contract. Okay, this is really important, um, and I'm glad you asked this. Like, I have a couple of interns who are gonna, going to associate. The single most important thing in an associate contract is an escape clause. You need to have an escape clause. In other words, you're in an associate contract, and you, go, you, and you hate it. Or the guy is, or the, the person is doing some illegal stuff, some fraudulent stuff, and you want out really quick. Uh, and you don't want to be there, but you signed a two-year contract. You don't have an escape clause, you are stuck. So you have to have an escape clause that says, for any reason, at any time, I can leave within a 30-day notice. So this way, if you're in a place that you don't want to be, get out in 30 days. And even though you'd want to give the person more time to find another person, etc., if you absolutely hate it and you don't want to be there or you feel uncomfortable or something is wrong, this way you have yourself an out. But you've got to have it and you must negotiate it. One of my interns said, this is what I want in my contract, and she got it. Because if you don't do this, you know, and you could say, well, the, the doctor may not want, well, then you shouldn't be working there. Anybody says you have to stay for two years no matter what. Well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. If you don't like it, you should get out, right? And I wouldn't want you here in my office if I didn't. If you didn't like being here, then get the hell out. I want you out, right? So, uh, so to me, having a ski plus is the single most important thing. Number one. Number two is. And, oh, go ahead. Three months is too long. Well, it's certainly longer. Um, if, if three months is, a, is, a, is an okay escape clause, because at least you can get out and you want to last a whole year. But I think 30 days is reasonable, uh, especially if it's a situation where you don't like it at all. Um, that's number one. So that's the, that's the escape clause. Number two, that's super important, and I'm going to tell you something, and you're not going to like this, but I just want you to hear me, right? You guys aren't worth $150,000. I know that's what you all want, but you ain't worth it until you prove yourself. Until you prove yourself. So when, because I have people saying, well, you know, this associate contract is only giving me $90,000. I'm like, what are you kidding? Like, you're starting out, you haven't done anything to prove yourself, and you're getting like 70000 90000 60000 and you're complaining? I'm sorry. If you are getting a good, you're getting anything over like $25,000, $30,000, which that's not very good. You're getting like if you're getting like fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, that's a good place to start. If you got bonuses, right? Prove yourself. How do you prove yourself? You work like your tail off, and you bring new patients in there and make yourself valuable to the doctor. So don't look at an associate contract looking for a whole boatload of money because the only places they're going to offer you that are PI places. And honestly, if you're in my class, in a pediatric class, then that's probably not the practice you want. Right? So my suggestion is go to a place that you 
like where where should I go to associate a place that you want to be that you want to learn from like that doctor is the kind of doctor I want to be so you want to learn whether it's a technique or the the way he's practicing whatever or they're practicing and or is the region you want to live in and you want to kind of test it out and see do I want to be living by the ocean do I want to be living by the mountains etc but don't go for the money if you go for the money you're just going to be upset all right How do you start looking for a practice? So um, the, the way you look for a practice, if you want to say, I want to open up my own practice, is you say, where do I want to live? Don't say, where I should go back home, unless you want to go home, right? Don't, don't go home because you say, uh, well, everybody knows me there. That might be the worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. right? I would never want to go back to my hometown because I don't want them remembering the kid that I was when I was younger. I was a shy, introverted, nobody talked to me. He was just some quiet kid, right? That's not what I want, right? I, I would much rather be in a place that nobody knows me and I can set up from the beginning, right? But I want to go where, I, where, I, where it feels good, right? So, you know, choose a place. And then once you narrow it down, you say, I want to be in this city, then start driving all over creation. My wife and I drove all over creation until we found where we are. We drove and drove and drove and drove and drove, and we kept on passing the corner where I'm at over and over and over. And this is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. And then one day we're like, "This is beautiful," and there's a for lease sign, and that's how we ended up, you know, where we are now. How do you start a practice from scratch? Uh, I told you that 30 new patients in the door uh, right from the get-go, and I gave you how to do that. That's because then it, it isn't from scratch. Because because once you get 30 in the door, 15 of them will refer instantly so that's now 45 and then 10 of them will refer and then more will refer and then and then you're just you're off and running and you'll be seeing 100 a week in no time and then you're off to the races um how long was your build-out process way longer than i thought so when we first moved down here we 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 came uh, we arrived here march 21st 2001 they promised that my office was going to be open on april 1st it didn't open till august it was this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. So I made them give me a uh, – there was another open space. And I, ma- I said to them, if after like it was now April 15th, I said, I want just anything in your – it doesn't have to be built out. Just give me a box to, you know, with, a, with a door and a bathroom. And I just want to go in <laughs> to get started. And I made them give it to me with, for no rent for the, until, the, until they opened up, until it was ready. So I said, this is what you're going to do. You're, I'm not going to pay rent. You're going to give me this un, you know, unpainted, unfinished hole in the wall. And it's going to be my temporary office. And I'm going to advertise it as such. But I'm going to give you a lot of credibility because I'm going to say to everybody, like, why would you come in here? Well, they're getting my stuff ready. Isn't that very nice of them? To, they did this for me. So I'm going to give you a whole lot of good street cred. And like, oh, okay. So they let me go into an unfinished spot for a couple of months before I open. So that's so that so understand whenever someone says and this is just this is also for your homes too when you remodel your homes or you we built our own home. We are our, 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 we built from the from dirt up. They said it was gonna be done in six months, it took like a year and a half. Right? Uh, so just understand everything takes whatever some whatever a contractor says, add three to six months. <clears throat> What are some key things that you should look in associate contract? I just did that. Um, how do I get parents to trust me to care for their family if I don't have kids of my own? Not having kids of your own has nothing to do with anything. 
Um, it's just like, like how, just as an example, if you have a person who is an OBGYN, but he's male and he's never had a baby, why is he carrying, why is he doing birth, right? Right? Because it has nothing to do with your experience on your own kids. It has to do with how much you've studied and trained and prepared to be with the kids. So you can say, you know, I took special classes at Life University. I took ICPA classes if you're taking them. I'm going to get, I'm on my way to get certified if you're, you know, trying to get certified through ICPA or another organization. <clears throat> so that's what you do. So it has nothing to do with having your own kids, right? It has to do with you preparing yourself, right, uh, for, those, uh, for those kids. What do your care plans or pricing looks like for kids or the different by age? No, my care plans are essentially the same thing for every single person. So, so first off, we don't do any insurance in the office unless it's a PI case. And that's usually just the case of a patient being referred in from someone else, like one of my great patients who I've been taking care of forever. And now our kids are like seven and nine. And I took care of her when she was pregnant with the first one. Um, just referred one of her friends into the office. It was in a car accident. Well, that's that's how I see car accident cases. Otherwise, everybody, unless it's a student, a life students are different. But other than that, it's everybody's monthly. And what you have to come up with, whatever amount you want in your office as to what that amount is based upon where you are and what you're comfortable with. But it's a monthly amount. So it's, let's just, as an example, let's just say it's like, just to make numbers easy because I'm really horrible at math. Let's say it's 200 a month, right, for the first person. And then it's another like 100 a month for every next person. Right, because this way it's 200 for the first person, 300 for two people, 400 for three people, or something like some whatever derivative you want to make to make it affordable. <clears throat> the key is to making it affordable and making it easy. It has nothing to do with how old they are or how young they are. I don't care if it's because, like I said, you know, 75 percent of the people in my practice, the first person is either a kid or a pregnant mama. It's all the same. The first person is this amount, and then every person is a, an amount after that. Makes it very, very affordable and very easy. <clears throat> Minimum, minimum care plans, we start at two times a week for most people because it's very hard for humans in Atlanta to get anywhere three times a week. Um, unless they're in a very, very big crisis situation, then we do three times a week. And my care plans generally are minimum four to six months or longer based upon what's going on with them. As just as the starting care plan. Good question. <clears throat> um, how did you transition from sports world into pediatric world smoothly? <clears throat> Is it possible to do both together? Yeah, uh, I transitioned. Um, I was very fortunate that um, I, I didn't transition it. I just, I was like, right? I was sports and then pediatric, and it was just like one day, it was whoop, right? And it was because of Webster. I think I told you that story of how Webster just changed my whole life uh, with his one conversation with me. Um, so there was no transition. Can you do it together? Absolutely. I happen to be a, a certified sports practitioner and an ICPA certified and now diplomate in ICPA. So you can easily do both of those together. Um, and you know, you can be, especially I have some uh, uh, people who want to be a sports pediatric chiropractor, right? There's a whole niche within a niche. So that's perfect. I think it's great. <clears throat> uh, when first on your practice, how do you generate enough income to get the thing up and running? Okay. I told you, excuse me. The first and most important thing is, is the survey. Because you gotta get you you gotta 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 get a lot of people in the door really quick. That's the first thing. 
and doing the survey is the, is the key thing. Don't just put yourself on Facebook and sit there and wait for people. You've got to get out there and meet the people and get them to, to, to know you. Get involved in service organizations in your community, whether it's your church or Rotary or Kiwanis or, you know, whatever other kind of service organizations. Go into schools and do, like, school fairs and church fairs and, you know, runs, you know, do runs and do screenings at runs. Just be everywhere. That, those, that first year, I was everywhere. My wife and I, we had no weekends because I was doing something every single weekend, meeting, 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 meeting people. But once, once you generate that momentum, then it's much, much easier, right? And uh, so that, that's how you get through the first year. But the key is that first week, you gotta have people in the door. <clears throat> how can I get Webster certified while in peak? Well, you can't get Webster certified. You can take the Webster certification class, but you can't be Webster certified until you graduate. Um, Webster, by the way, Dr. Pam Stone is coming back, I believe in August is the projected date. So if you are around uh, here in August, she will be here. So you can, you can get, you can take the class and have everything ready. And then when you graduate, if you pass that class, then you will get your certification. But you can't be certified until you, until you graduate. Uh, maximum hours you would work as an associate? Maximum hours. Well, I mean, it depends. On, it depends on what your point is in the associate. If your if your point is as an associate, just to kind of get by, then you know you just choose whatever hours you know you want to, to, to choose. But if your point as an associate is to um, is to really prove yourself, either a to the doc or b to yourself, then work like crazy and build that practice. That to me is the most important thing you can do for that associate doc is build that practice because if you build that practice, I'm going to say, I want to keep you here. I'm going to pay you a whole boatload more money to keep you here. And if you, but then if you don't want to be here, guess what? Now you know how to do it for yourself, right? So you're, it's a win-win if you build that because here's, here's what what's happens with a lot of associates. They go in and they just adjust and they leave and that's it. That's a poor associate attitude, right? Associates like that are necessary. Right. But if you build that practice for it, for that doc, a, he's going to want to pay you more. And this is, that'd be good for you. Or B, you just take that. And now you do it for your own practice, wherever it is you go, because now you have the recipe. Right. So to me, that's the most important thing is the, the amount of what you put in is what you put out. Right. So th that's, that's critical. How do you build a pediatric practice in an existing practice? I will tell you what one of my former interns did. She went into a practice that was all adults. And she started adjusting all those adults. And guess what she asked all her adult patients? You got kids? Yeah. You have any of them have any of the four A's? What? What's the four A's? Oh, autism, ADHD, asthma, allergies. Any one of them have that? Well, yeah. Well, bring them in. She doubled this person's practice in a year. Doubled. This is an existing practice that's been around for 20, 30 years. She doubled the practice in a year by adjusting every adult and saying, bring your kids in. Right? It's easy, 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 easy to go into an all-adult practice and change it to a pediatric practice just like that. What's the most important piece of equipment to have when starting a practice? Um, well, <laughs> aside from a chiropractic bench, uh, which is kind of important. But you can use a portable one. If you all got portables and you don't want to spend, you know, all kinds of money on it, then use the portable. Um, the single most important equipment in your practice is, is a phone and a computer. Um, 
that's the, the two most important things because your phone should be ringing off the wall and you should be on the internet constantly advertising yourself. Those are absolutely critical. Everything else is, depends on you. I think x-ray is important, but that's optional. Um, you know, I like things like activator and those things, but that's optional too. But those are the two most critical uh, things. Let's see. All right, so this is... No. All right. Yes, I have answered all your questions, or almost all of them, because uh, I read pretty quickly. Um, I want to thank you so much for your participation this quarter. What I'm going uh, to ask you guys is a couple things. Number one, remember, next week is your exam, C149, 2 o'clock. Do not be late. Do not take the exam at home. I'm going to have a signing sheet. So everybody is going to have to sign in and sign out to get in and out of that exam. Uh, so tell your friends who said, I'm going to do it at home. They ain't doing it at home. Um, and um, blah, blah, blah. That's it. All right, that's it. Thanks, guys. Good luck on finals. <laughs>